Hello, welcome to the Creative Writing Life podcast. This is Justin Sloan. And hi, everybody. I'm Paul Zeidman. And with us today, well, uh, Justin, you know our guest better than I do, so I will let you have the pleasure of introducing him. Sure. Jonathan Brazy. We haven't actually um, interacted too much. We, I think we shook hands briefly at the first ever 20 Books Conference in Vegas. Uh, but other than that, it's been more inner internet, whatnot, me watching his books, hopefully him saying uh, Justin's a cool guy every once in a while when he sees my face pop up. <laughs> but that's about it. Jonathan, uh, hello. Hi, how are you doing? Welcome to the show. We're doing good. Um, so we always start off the show with a quick, before we go into your introduction and all that, a quick, what are we watching, reading, listening to, whatever. Um, so uh, let me think if I have anything for that. Paul, do you have anything off the top of your head? I sure I sure do. Well, okay, so last time, Jonathan, uh, it was just Justin and myself, and we were talking about um, films on some of the various streaming services. And I think we somehow we got onto HBO Max, which at the time I did not have. And that was last week. But since then, uh, Godzilla versus Kong came out. And my wife loves those kind of movies. So she <laughs> said, how can we see that? And I said, I think the only way we can do that is to get HBO Max. And so good husband that I am, we signed up for HBO Max. And so we watched Godzilla versus Kong. She loved it. I thought it was okay. Uh, how that thing had five writers and turned out the way it did, I will never know. Uh, but then <laughs> we watched, uh, then I spent, uh, so I, I went through like a lot of the catalog of uh, HBO Max and saw things. So I ended up over a couple of days, watched the Snyder Cut of Justice League. And I had seen the original one. I hated that. This one I thought was slightly better, but I don't think... I'm not going to be part of the group that's giving it the raves that they are giving it. I thought it was okay. It was slightly better, but eh, I was a, uh, I think, you know, I've, I'm still not convinced that it was a, that great a movie. It was okay. But, you know, I'm glad we've got the service and there's a, I've already found a few other things I'm really looking forward to watching, but you know, you know I'll give, uh, I'll give justice league a real strong B minus. We'll go with that. Okay. So mine is, Men of a Certain Age. It's an older show. It's uh, from 2009, 10, something like that. And um, so my dad was visiting this week for uh, eight for Easter and all that. And we were talking about Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which we had talked about last week also, I think, is mm -hmm. one of my things I'm watching. And he mentioned that Andre Brower, is that probably how you say his name, was on this right. show. And that's one reason he started watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And yeah, I started checking it out. It's a lot of fun. I enjoy Men of a Certain Age. So I think it's a little... Um, uh, it's, I don't know if it's comedy or drama. It's a little bit of both for me. I'm laughing and I'm, you know, going, oh, so it's, it's got that nice mix though, where it's not goofy, silly comedy at all. It's just like regular people living their lives and it's fun to be there with them. And, uh, and I'm getting up, I'm 40 this year. So not quite there, but starting to feel that, you know, a minute of a certain age feeling they're all 47, 49, something like that. Uh, I believe uh, in the show. Anyway, I don't know what their actual ages are, but yeah, something to watch if you're, if you're, if you're feeling it. <laughs> uh, Jonathan, do you have anything you've been reading or watching or anything that you want to shout out to? Uh, well, I have to agree with Paul on uh, on uh, Kong and Godzilla. Um, we watched it. Ah, it was okay. Um, nothing to rave about. Um, given what it is, you know, you can't get upset when a bunch of ospreys are lifting Kong and carrying them off. And you can't, you know, and some of the stuff that happened with the ships, you, you just got to you can't be that picky on that kind of movie. So yeah, it was okay. Yeah. Um, other than that, we've been doing uh, a lot of documentaries. We just started the Hitler one last night. Um, 
I don't know. We've gone on a documentary uh, binge, but we only watch we only watch TV because of the girls, the tw- I have the two I have two year old twin girls because of them and because of all my writing. Um, we don't get much TV, so it's generally between you know sometime after nine or ten until about midnight. Do you have a good documentary? We get a little limited. Good documentary you want to shout out to that you think people should check out? Um. We just, well, the one on Hitler is kind of easy. E- even though these, these documentaries, especially the Netflix documentaries, tend to over-dramatize what they're doing and they have to act it out and the actors are so, you know, serious. I, I've been watching, not, not on Netflix, but I've been watching um, uh, Made in America Food or whatever they, I forget the name of the okay. documentary, but it's how, it's, I think it's done by the same people who do How They Made It. And it talks about the burger wars and how we got fast food and pizza and a Campbell's soup. And I find those pretty interesting. Yeah. I've always liked the history of, of food. Uh, but once again, they, they have to make the dramatic overacting. Um, they could take that hour and bring it down to 20 minutes and still give you the same stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm watching the Age of Samurai, which is the uh, Japanese. I saw, saw Age of Samurai yeah. about two that. weeks ago. Yeah. Once again, interesting. Um, but wow, and the same scene of the same decapitations, you know, for every battle in Japan or covering, you know, a hundred years. Uh, you, yeah, I saw this guy, and I know he's going to get stabbed. But it was still interesting. I did. I actually, I learned stuff. I thought, yeah, you know, I had studied Japanese history as an undergrad, um, but I learned stuff by watching it. Yeah, I'm a huge which, Japanophile. Uh, which, which service is that on? Netflix. Is, is this okay? Yeah, my problem with it is I would love to show my kids this kind of stuff. I think it's fun, but they have uh, a lot of sex. You know, it's not like obviously showing everything because it's a documentary, but it's still a little bit too much for me to feel comfortable seeing my well, eight-year-old they have down with me. At least sidewise nudity. Yeah, that's not. I'm not sure why that's in in there. So. It, I think the only reason it's there so when they when it starts and they could say warning violence blood nudity yeah just so the people who want that are going to watch it and the people who want to see it are going to be kind of disappointed the people that don't expect to see it are going to be a little surprised yeah <laughs> yeah i'm I'm, a, I'm definitely not a prude on my own watching i don't mind a little fun flesh but you know <laughs> on to jonathan brazy's work uh so yeah do you want to give us a quick introduction about who you are well as you said i'm jonathan brazy i'm a retired marine colonel spent 34 years in the military four in the navy 30 years in the marine marines i'm a full-time writer now i live in colorado springs with my wife kiwi and as i just said uh two-year-old twin girls um as a writer um I wrote my first science fiction story back in 1978 and got it published. But then for the next, I don't know how many years, 30 years, uh, I just wrote nonfiction. I started writing again. Uh, I wrote a novel in 2006 and didn't get it out until 2009. But now I've got about 75, 78 titles, I guess, published. Um, I'm a two-time Nebula Award finalist. I'm a Dragon Award finalist and a USA Today uh, best-selling writer. Cool, cool. Uh, Paul, did you have anything you want to jump in with? I know I can, definitely. But well, I'm, sure, I'm sure you can. I guess my question <laughs> is, so, like, what was the, 
so what was the uh, inspiration for your book back in 1978? And I guess, was it your, your military career kind of had to like push the writing off to the side until you were able to like, like you know, I want to get back into this. Well, in 1978, I, I, I was having a problem reading some stories where it's always the father was pushing the son and the mother was the one saying, oh, no, no, don't push him. You know, hey, he's got to go his own route. And so I kind of turned that on its head. And since I like science fiction, I made it science fiction. So I wrote a story called Secession. Um, it actually got published. So I thought, hey, this is easy. You write a story, it gets published. <laughs> no problem. Uh, and then, then, like I said, the military career took over. So I wrote a lot of uh, military stuff, uh, academic stuff, uh, political science, that kind of stuff for the next uh, quite a while. Mm -hmm. and it wasn't until I was uh, deployed to Iraq in 2006 and a lot of the stuff that I normally do, like going out and running, you can't really do that because they tend to take pot shots at you. And we didn't really have TV. I mean, we had this horrible recording stuff that was really bad quality and it was barely worth watching. You know, you could pull up a movie or something. So I decided, you know, I want to write a novel. I wrote it. It was a military fiction uh, about um, a takeover of the, of the U.S. Embassy in New Delhi and the Marine security guard has to save the day. And no one's gonna read it, I mean, who am I? Uh, so I just wanted 20 copies. So I looked around at who could print 20 copies. And I Universe said, we could print 20 copies. So I paid him $470, got my 20 copies. Hey, done, deal, right? Well, they also put it on, now you gotta think, this is a 55,000 word novel. So they put it on sale on Amazon as a paperback for 1995 and over yeah and over the wow. next over the next three four years i actually made 98 dollars in royalties i'm like hey. whoa baby so those <laughs> 20 books, they, they only cost me you know 370 bucks <laughs> and then i was at the I was, I was heading out to asia after i retired I, I worked for a company in 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 thailand and i saw a guy with a kindle and i went hey wow that's pretty cool i was in the lounge that's pretty cool. Can I see that? And I looked at it. I'd never seen a Kindle before. And I said, you know, I have a book on Kindle. And so he looked it up and he said, no, no, you don't. So when I got back, I called iUniverse and said, hey, what's up? And they told me, well, you had to pay another $70 if you wanted an ebook. Oh, man. And th this is 2000 and late 2012. So I had heard about self-publishing. So I said, oh, okay, I'll put it up. So I put it up, I put it 99 cents because like I said, who's gonna read something that I wrote? And mm -hmm. to my great surprise in two weeks, it sold 400 copies. And then the next month it sold 700 copies. And I'm like, Ooh. well, of course, like I said, I had 99 cents, so I was not uh, oh. you know, buying that house in Monte Carlo. But at, uh, then people started reaching out to me. People I don't even know, not my mother, not my brother, <laughs> you know, not my cousin. They're saying, where's the next book? Well, I killed off half the people, but I said, okay, I could write another book. And I had called the first book, The Few, just because I had to have a name. So when I wrote the second book, I said, oh, maybe I could write The Proud. And of course that became a trilogy, The Marines. And I, I was, you know, I was making a little bit of money. Not, once again, not retiring money, but nice hobby money. And that, that I wrote a couple more books and it's the same. And then in 2014, I wrote my first military science fiction. And that kind of took off. And that's when I realized that maybe I can actually do this. 
it still took me three more years before I could uh, pull that uh, job plug and you know mm -hmm. cut the cut the cut the the safety net. Um, so I did that in the beginning of 2017, and I've never looked back. Do you think it was really, I guess, uh, because your first books were, you know, all military based, that was like really, you would kind of like tapped into this like a niche market that, you know, only a select few are able to really get into and do it well? I, I think, you know, they say, write what you know. Mm -hmm. So that's what I knew. I mean, I'm sitting here surrounded by Marines in Iraq. You know, what else can I write? And, oh, I mean, I guess I could have. <laughs> but I did think I could write romance and and, uh, and uh, mystery, which I like, seemed a little, I, I would have to move into that. Mm -hmm. But once, once the people started reading my military, even when I tried to get out of it, I was still with military. My favorite series is Werewolf of Marines, as I love werewolves. And I have three very realistic books. Uh, of Marines in combat, if you can just accept the fact that one of them has been bit by an Iraqi werewolf, and now he is one. I mean, the battles are real. They, some of them are actual real battles. The places are real, um, take place in Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, I loved it so much, but I still, I, I always loved werewolf books. I figured, well, I got to be military. That's great. And one last question, I'll throw it back to Justin. So when you were writing that first one, uh, while you were deployed, did you uh, share it with any of your uh, comrades over there? Or did you like- uh, Yeah, say, wait, yeah. Wait. A, couple of my, a couple of my friends read it. Um, they thought it was cool. But, you know, we got to remember, this is really before a lot of the self-publishing happened. So mm -hmm. if you were a writer, whether it was published or not, people were like, oh, wow, you're a writer? And, you know, now there's how many million of us mm. but but even back then it, it was before a lot of people got into it so if you had a book a lot, i don't think a lot of people realize there's a difference between having a book that you wrote that's in your you know that you keep under a pillow underneath your bed in your bed or actually having a book that people can read mm. oh actually i do have one more question are any of your characters based on the people that you knew or still know and do any of them recognize themselves in those characters um a lot of my characters are people that I knew. I've had a few people contact me and guess who some of those characters are, but more people than you can believe have contacted me and saying, oh, I know that Lieutenant. I know that wow. Sergeant. And I'm like, okay, we have never served together. And no, it's not an army Lieutenant. So I have a lot of people come up to me and tell me they know who I wrote about. Um, it's not always the case, but yes, right. I, Particularly in my, well, even now, uh, a lot of my books describe things that actually happened that I saw or that I know about. Um, I just changed the name to protect the, protect the innocent and, well, keep me from having the guilty come after me. <laughs> there was um, a Netflix short, Love, Death, and Robots. Did you ever watch that? Yeah, huh? Marco Clues. I don't know, but is that, but there was a, the, the series of short uh, yeah. animated things is based yeah. on Marcus Clues. Anyway, Marco they, uh, Clues, no, he had two of the books, oh, okay. and he had werewolves in yeah. Marine Corps in okay. Afghanistan. But they he didn't write it that way. Oh, interesting. Because when it came out, he had Marines calling a gunnery sergeant um, Sarge. Yeah, which yeah. is that that that's a hokey pokey no no. You don't do that. 
Yeah. Well, I contacted him and I said, hey, what happened? And he told me, he wrote the story about soldiers. You know, he, he was a West German army soldier. He tends to write about, when in the military, a lot of about soldiers. And he said, but the producers decided at the last minute that it would sell better if it was Marines, but then they never changed the terminology. Oh, no wonder. It bothers me to no end. <laughs> I thought that was interesting because I also had done in my early days some werewolf stuff, uh, including like uh, they get together with a team of uh, army and Marines and whatnot who are basically turning other soldiers into werewolves too in an attempt to do bad things. Um, but anyway, <laughs> so I think it's cool that this is popping up as a thing. How did those books do though compared to others? Do you feel like it hurt sales? Um, not as, you know, they've done fine. Okay. I mean, if I if you had told me in the beginning they're going to make X number of dollars, I would have been happy. Yeah. Did they have they done as well as my military science fiction? No. Yeah. Um, although I did have people who had read my military science fiction, and if you look at some of the reviews, there's there's a couple of people who say, you know, I'm not into werewolves, but I had read this series, so I decided to give it a shot, yeah. and it was a hoot. <laughs> you know, so they actually came and they saw and they liked it. Um, but no, it hasn't sold as well as yeah. my straight military science fiction. Yeah, I find a lot of those, not all, in all cases, of course, there's always the exceptions, but a lot of them for me have always, if you try to straddle the two kind of genres, then it ends up falling on neither side, right? or you don't get the readers from either side, you just fall off somewhere. <laughs> That's been my experience. Yeah, that, that tends to happen. And a lot of, and my fans, my readers, the ones who like the way I write, they like it because it's very realistic. There's a lot of verisimilitude that it, this, they can relate, even though it's in the future, they can relate uh, to what's happening. They see themselves in what they're reading. Whereas now I've just thrown a werewolf in there. And that, that's a much bigger, that's a much bigger thing to accept than faster than light uh, travel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So obviously the military side, the Marines plays into your stories. Uh, I was curious, so you said you studied Japan and uh, you lived in Thailand, I believe. I've lived all over the world. I've been to over 100 countries. I lived in Thailand, Japan, uh, Mexico. Uh, you know, I've been right. deployed throughout Europe. So before I ask how that's in fact influenced your, your, your fiction, uh, do you have any really cool stories just from your travels? Just one quick, really fun one off the top of your head? Or is that too? Oh, no, as far as travel, I mean, I've got, <laughs> yeah. I've got a million stories. Most people want to know about like Frank Sinatra or something. <laughs> um, but travels... Oh, okay. I was right. I was the first time I went to Thailand was as a Marine and I decided to take a week off uh, after we were done with sniper training. So I ran a little motorcycle and I'm, you know, this is a little bike, maybe, I don't know, 70 CC or something. And I'm put -put putting around the Northern part of Thailand. And I see um, they have, they have tribes people in Thailand who wear a traditional clothing, especially back then. And I see these, uh, four girls on the side of the road and you know I'm 23 years old um, I stopped by and of course they don't speak English and I don't speak uh, they I'm sure they spoke Thai but they were speaking one of the tribal languages and finally one of them runs off and runs off into the jungle and then she comes back with a guy who had gone to gone to university in Bangkok and had taken English so now I have someone who could talk to so I ended up pushing my little motorcycle on this little mountain, little jungle trail to their village. And I stayed with them for two days oh, and there's no electricity. The Everybody slept together basically in a couple of these little buildings, but the buildings had no walls. 
Um, it was just a, you know, a, a platform and a, and a roof. Yeah. And so here I'm, I'm basically living with a, with a, 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 a yes, it's still in 1980, but they, you know, like I said, no electricity, uh, you know, they, they, they had an elephant and what they did with the, ele the elephant belonged to like six different tribes yeah. and the elephant would go from fields to fields to field to do whatever Thai elephants do. <laughs> that, was, that was pretty cool yeah that's awesome i love it i've been uh, having the major travel bug lately especially with covid but even before that because of kids we're on our third so it's it's harder to travel nowadays uh so i love hearing these stories well i i travel i've been like i said i've been to over 100 countries um i love to travel i love to meet new people um i love to experience new cultures and how much of that has influenced your writing uh have you do you have any of these kind of crazy stories that morphed into something similar but slightly different in the books um i have a book called integration um which is essentially a science fiction version of the integration of the marine corps with the montford point marines hmm. and i took a lot of my travels in developing doing the world building for my characters were not human but human related you know kind of a, proge uh, a progenitor uh, a theory where you know, we all came from the same DNA or whatever. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. So I did use that in that book. And that's, that's actually, that was the book. That was the novel that was up for a, a dragon award. And oh, it's cool. probably the novel that I'm the proudest of. Awesome. Was that a solo one? Did you do that by yourself? No, or? no, there's uh, four. Yeah, I did write it myself. I haven't done very many uh, uh, collaborations. I haven't done very many co-writing, mm -hmm. but that's one of four books. There's one more coming, but I keep having other things. I'm committing to other things in, along the way that keeps pushing it back. Cool. I'll ask one more random question and then I'll see if Paul has some more. Uh, and then of course we could talk about collabs and your new releases and all that and, uh, and somewhere in there. But um, you have kids. Uh, do you ever write anything for your kids? Do you think you will? Absolutely. On their first birthday, I wrote them a, a YA, my first YA called oh, Gemini Twins. I remember that. Yeah. Cool. My girls are twins. Uh, my, my girls are named uh, uh, Danica and Darika, and we call them Danny and Dari. But the twins in the book are Nika and Rika. Oh, cool. So I took the second half of their name. Um, obviously, they were, well, I started writing it when they were, you know, eight months, whatever, yeah. nine months old. So it wasn't really them, but I keep watching them to see if they fall into those, the twins I wrote about. Yeah. So to answer your question, <laughs> Yes, Gemini. And I actually wrote a, um, a short story that has nothing to do with the military, but it was because of a dream I had about my girls. Huh. And I think it, some people tell me that's the best thing I've written. Oh, nice. Um, it's the one that it does tend to bring a tear to the eyes. Yeah, from the heart. Good, good. My kids make me stay up at night and like make up stories for them. And usually they want to be in my stories that I make up for them. Is this a normal thing? <laughs> Am I getting bullied here? <laughs> well, I hope my girls, uh, when they're older, read it and appreciate it. Yeah, it's a lot of fun to do that. Uh, Paul, do you have anything you want to jump in with? Yeah, actually, I do. So, actually, uh, that for you know, I'm not going to say I forgot we were in lockdown because that's you know that's kind of like a common thing. Have you found that I guess especially in the past year has there been an increase in the number of books that you've sold just because you know people are at home and they want stuff to do. So yeah, of course they're watching stuff, but I also would assume they're reading more. 
So I'm just curious, like, have you seen a significant increase in the number of books sold in the past year? Um, not really, but that's because uh, after the girls were born, I cut way back. Mm. I mean, twin babies are, are they're difficult to take care of, you know, and I can't just throw it all on my wife. So I wrote far fewer books. Mm. Uh, I, I only really started getting back in the saddle uh, this year. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I only had, after Gemini Twins, I, I think I put out one novel until, I, until one, of the, one of my co-writing novels that came out last November. And uh, so because of the, the lack of output, my sales actually dipped. Oh. Um, hmm. They're now, now that I'm writing again, they're, they're going back, the sales of the old books are going back up again. Plus, I had a book bub last week. Oh, nice. That really helps. Yeah. Which book was that for? That was for Recruit, which was my first, um, that was my first military science fiction. And it's, uh, it's free right now. So I did a freebie and I got, I don't know, 20, 28,000 downloads. Yeah. That's um, awesome. and then the, the downstream, I have eight books in that series. Oh, uh, the downstream sales have been very, very nice. Oh man. I envy you. <laughs> I, awesome. I tried a lot. I tried a long time. All I'd been able to get was international book bubs. Yeah. And then when they, when I got the email saying, congratulations, we've accepted you for a book bub. I actually had to read it a couple of times. To make sure, say, well, wait a minute, where, where, where is it that you're going to tell me? Uh, please submit again sometime. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I always just look for that one word. Sorry, or unfortunately, <laughs> um, I did one book bub for sci-fi, and it was great. It ended up getting the books like 500 reviews almost now, so that's kind of cool, you know. Seeing a book with 500 reviews, it feels different, you know. Like when you first started off, you wouldn't be able to imagine that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, recruit um, recruit has the most reviews of any of my books. That's awesome. Yes. Uh, should we transition from that since I mean you already transitioned kind of into that so talking about your books and the uh, the the collaborations you have a couple new releases that are doing quite amazingly um, do you want to talk about those books and also the idea of collaboration um yeah I, I going to 20 books everybody is looking for co-writers <laughs> you know, like uh, I don't know if it was two 20 books ago whenever yeah, well we didn't have 20 books in this last November so it must have been two years ago. It seemed like everybody's running around looking for co-writers. Um, so I, I co-wrote with, with one person who I uh, met at, um, at a con in San Juan, Puerto Rico. And it was fun. Um, he's more literary than I am. And uh, I thought it, it helped me with my, it helped me very, it helped me quite a bit with my craft, I think. Um, never really sold a gazillion books. So that's, if you're, if you're writing for your craft, okay. If you're writing to pay the mortgage, maybe not quite as okay. Yeah. Um, so I did some other, I did some other collaborations and um, none of them have really taken off. Uh, none of them had really taken off. You know, you just make, you, you make some money, you get some new readers. So that's working. Uh, then I, I wrote um, Hell's Horizon uh, from 20 books. I, I had talked with Richard Fox and we had this idea of doing alternating chapters with alternating MCs. Cool. And that got a nice advance. And I had uh, Giancarlo Esposito from, uh, from Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul and Mandalorian. Uh, he, he narrated my chapters. I thought that was oh, that's awesome. really pretty cool. 
And I was more tending to write my own stuff. But then Jeff Cheney and I were talking and, and he said, we, you know, we ought to try it. And I was hesitant, but I liked Jeff. Uh, good guy, good writer. So I thought, I'll give it one more shot. And so I committed to three books. Uh, a little bit longer than I normally write. I normally write in the 80,000, 90,000. These books are like 115, 120. Uh -huh. um, but they have done very, very, very well. I've never had books that will spend, you know, 40 days so far in the top 300. No. Um, that's that's I, I could bounce in there. But then a couple of days later, I'm out. And then I'm down 700 and then 900 and then I'm gone from the thousands and on down. So they, they've done very, very well. Um, we are now thinking about at least nine books, uh, maybe 15. Uh, I'll be going out to, uh, I'll be going out to, I, I have another commitment that I had made in August that I have to do. I have to finish in, in uh, May. So right after that, I'm probably going to go out to Vegas. My wife wants to, we used to live in Vegas. Now we live in Colorado Springs. So my wife wants to see some of her friends and I'll be meeting up with Jeff to, uh, to storyboard out the next six books at least. Wow, that's exciting. I love it. I love hearing the journey. Paul, anything else that you're saying? Yeah, actually, I'm, I'm very curious. I mean, with, with so many titles, I'm, I'm always fascinated to hear a writer explain like their process for putting a story together. I mean, do you start with the idea like, especially like the first book and eventually I'm going to guess like a lot of them become series. You like come up with the initial idea and just kind of like, okay, what would I want to happen to this character? Or what's the scenario? I'm, I'm just curious. You don't have to go into, you know, extreme detail, but like, so what's your process for putting I, the story together? My process is I think of a concept first. Um, like my first novel, it was what would happen if insurgents took over the U.S. Embassy in New Delhi? That was the concept. And then I started thinking, well, how would I make that happen? And I know where I'm gonna start and I know where I'm gonna finish. The middle part is mostly pantsing. Mm. Um, and sometimes it really works out great. Uh, one of my books, I ended up having this certain character and he wasn't a good guy. He's kind of a jerk. Well, on book four, I think it was, this, I needed somebody who had this kind of background, who was this kind of personality and had these skills. I mean, and I had already picked the planet and I knew he had to be Scottish. And <laughs> okay. voila, wait a minute, back in book one, I had this. So I pulled him up and he became a major character in the book. And people would write to me and say, you planned that far out in advance? <laughs> it was all serendipity. It just happened that way. Mm-hmm. But I do like to lay the Easter eggs for what's going to happen later uh, that people go, oh, yo, yeah, I remember him. So what ha ends up happening, though, is I lay a lot of Easter eggs that later on I decide I don't need. So they're just not really Easter eggs. eggs. They're fried <laughs> eggs, I guess. They're fried eggs. And, and now, when I was co-writing, particularly with, with Hell's Horizon, we really had to outline that out because we couldn't be deviating because that's going to affect the next chapter. And, and we had to be paying attention to what the other person was writing. Do you, do you plot it out like chapter by chapter or is it? Uh, we we uh, 
we did the whole thing. Well, we had the whole storyline, we had the outline, but then we went chapter by chapter. And even then there was sometimes, you know, I get a chapter, I go, oh, wait a minute, you can't do that because I said this back in chapter three. Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-oh, we got to fix it. Do you ever, like, suddenly maybe you're you're both working on the outline and you realize, oh, you're like, you know, at the halfway point or whatever, and you realize, oh, what if we did this instead? Like, then you like go back and rewrite the entire second half or replot it out? No, but we we didn't rewrite it but we changed direction okay uh going back and rewriting uh a lot of work (laughs) you know that's uh i don't know too many particularly indies that go do a lot of that not anymore not when you're like a full-time author and i think once you get the hang of it you don't get the hang of it now i'll rewrite sections um i will go back and make changes during my I, when I do my first read through, I will rewrite chunks of it because I don't don't think it's clear or it's not quite saying what I thought it was saying. And then after the beta readers go through it, I may go back uh, and, and do a little bit of rewriting there too to clarify things. Because once again, as a writer in my mind, I know exactly what's happening. Uh, that's not necessarily so clear, particularly if someone hasn't served in the military, what is exactly happening? Yeah. So I got to go back and do a little adjustments and, and just because I want the best product I have going out. Yeah. We are toward the end of our time already. It flies by. I know you got some food to cook up and we, uh, I don't know. <laughs> why don't you tell the uh, listeners the names of those books that are kicking butt and uh, where they can find you. Well, the, set, the two books that are kicking butt right now are Sentenced to War and Children of Angels. Um, they're only on Amazon. Uh, I do have uh, Recruit, which is my biggest single seller, which is free right now, and it's available wide uh, pretty much anywhere books are sold. Uh, you can find me at jonathanbrazy.com. It's got most of my books there, but I lost the guy that was putting things in there. And so the last couple books haven't been listed yet. Okay, cool. There we go. And yeah, I saw over 700 reviews. That's freaking amazing. Good job. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you so much for coming on the show and chatting with us, Jonathan. I yeah. look forward to seeing you in Vegas uh, for that 20 Books Conference again, hopefully this Looking year. Looking forward to it. I love my cons, yeah. especially 20 Books. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People who are listening who don't know what that is, uh, feel free to message us about it or Google it. I'm sure you'll find some information. It might already be sold out. They sell out pretty quick, I think. Well, no, but they just got, they have uh, a lot more people okay. because they're doing it at, at Bally's. Oh, right, right. So this year they opened it up experience. to a lot bigger than it was before. Awesome. So great chance to network, to hang out with us uh, listeners. Uh, come say hi. And yeah, thank you again. Oh, something's happening over here. What's going on? I got a beep on my computer. So I'll wrap it up and say thank you so much for listening to the Creative Writing Life podcast. Once again, I'm Justin Sloan. You can find my books on Amazon. And I'm Paul Zeidman. You can check out my screenwriting blog, MaximumZ.blog. I'm also on Twitter at Maximum underscore Z. He's Justin. I'm Paul. This has been the Creative Writing Life Podcast. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, stay healthy, and most importantly, go write something.